Indeed Pod, a podcast about indie tabletop role-playing games where I interview creators about their games and inspirations and about the theory, process and practice of game design. My name is Mark Shepard, your host today and always, and your friendly local indie enthusiast. Today we're talking to Chris and Wes of Spooky Bell Games about Beyond Deep, an adventure for Merkborg about worker exploitation in mining company towns. We also get quite into why perfect binding is bad for role-playing game books, which was an ear-opening conversation for me. Now that's out of my head and into yours, let's talk indie. So today we're talking to Chris and Wes of Spooky Bell Games. Hi there and welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you for having us. Absolutely no problem. It's what ZineQuest Month is all about. Chris and Wes, would you like to take a minute to introduce yourselves and let us know what you do in indie tabletop role-playing games? Yeah, my name is Chris Koger. I've been playing and tweaking on role-playing games for 25-ish years at this point in time. And Wes and I work together. This is kind of our first project as Spooky Bell Games. So we right now have a Kickstarter uh, for Beyond Deep, which is a horror Morkborg adventure. Yep, and I'm Wes. Um, been playing role-playing games, writing adventures, nothing professionally but uh, definitely in my free time for probably about 20 years as well we have a little bit different background chris is a little bit older than me so he has some he was around before the old school revival uh he is the old school <laughs> you noticed <laughs> west yeah had to get somebody in has how to old I was. oh yeah i got yeah. i gotta make sure that chris knows how old he is uh and yeah. to, to never forget <laughs> that he is one foot in the grave oh yeah. that's really cruel <laughs> It's where we get our best writing. Sometimes I think yeah. I could have been playing role-playing games for 25 years, so <laughs> yeah. I can't be significantly younger than you two. It's largely the same. Uh, <laughs> Chris uh, mentioned we have a little project going, and it's our first project, so we're pretty happy about how it's going. Tell us a little bit about Beyond Deep, then. In fact, tell us a lot about it. But you know. <laughs> oh, Well, all right. <laughs> You mean you want us to talk uh, for a while about this thing that we made that we love? Yeah. Oh, well, ideally, yeah. I, I, that's, yes. that's the format, yeah. Yeah. I'll just read it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <you know? laughs> um, yeah, right. <laughs> just, if you could just record this podcast, you'll, you won't. And then transcribe it. Yeah, we'll be perfect. Yeah. Okay. So, what, about five years ago, Chris, we, we started getting into RPGs that are not D&D. <laughs> yeah five six years ago yeah yeah and that aren't anything made by a major company so Morkborg kind of came around um was that 2018 yeah certainly not that long ago and it was just cool um and i think that's part of its its success is that it's pretty freaking rad um, <laughs> <laughs> and so i was like i can write an adventure for that it's seems pretty self-explanatory um and to our advantage it is an incredibly open uh license so it was easy to like be able to use their uh lore and stuff like that yeah but then also on top of that it fit this kind of grim dark world that i wanted that wasn't super serious 
like the grim dark is kind of the joke, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, that's largely most grim dark settings, but this one definitely advertises itself as such. They so. do sort of straddle the line between comedy and satire, don't they? Right. Like grim, grim dark settings, yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I think it's mostly because if you are like taking grimdark stuff very literally, then you will not be having a good time. Correct. <laughs> My first character in, in Morkborg died almost immediately, so um, yeah, that's path the course, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was like, this is the game for me. <laughs> so, but basically, I'm filthy leftist. Want to include anything that I can to shed light on marginalized peoples or particularly poignant events that are happening in our world at the time. So I chose worker exploitation and um, stuff like that, uh, but I wrapped it in this nice historical package of uh, what are called company towns. Ah, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Something that is, uh, we actually were talking about how it it could happen any day now where company town resurfaces, but you know, it's about a hundred years removed Mm. for those who aren't, (laughs) yeah, uh, quote unquote, a hundred years removed for those who aren't familiar. A company town is where a mining company of some sort will set up a mine and then they need people to work at that mine. And so they'll basically build a little town around it and cover everyone's costs to live there well they say they cover your costs (laughs) you're you're working for your living there and it becomes this uh, gross cycle of exploitation and uh, abuse and owning you until your dying days yes and after (laughs) recently covered to extremely good effect in (laughs) old gods of appalachia you know correct and and that is a a large influence on me oh wonderful yeah i was scared at first that i was gonna just like copy their stuff luckily we managed to make our own thing and just skirt the same uh, subject it's such a fruitful void you know (laughs) yeah it was surprising i was like oh i I can make something pretty distinctly different with still the same vibe because they just had their crazy huge kickstarter raised two million dollars for their role-playing game come in on the wake of that and you can't go wrong yeah (laughs) i was like hmm it wasn't intentional but i was like i i bet i could get you know a couple followers uh but anyway yeah. So Beyond Deep started as um, just this uh, little project that I was going to staple together myself and print on a laser printer and do a true zine. The Holy Grail. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. For, for 20 people, you know, right. at, a, at a convention yeah. or something. And just like <laughs> hand it out to people and maybe they give me some money in return or, or not. At um, a punk gig, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then every time I would go to talk to Chris about it, I would get more and more ideas and he would sprinkle <laughs> in his ideas and then it became more than I was wanting to handle on my own. And then I asked Chris, like, hey, you want to do this thing? And much to my surprise, he immediately said yes. And Oh, excellent. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, Wes and I talk all the time. You know, we're we're friends as well. So like you said, you know, we, we both love zines. We both kind of fell deep into the hole of, you know, indie RPGs and one pagers and all kinds of, you know, little cool projects a few years back. Yeah. You know, Wes was trucking away at, at that and we were bouncing ideas off each other. And then one of the things we talked about the company town, you know, uh, and worker exploitation and stuff was, you know, this idea of like, 
a necromancer who's a company man who um, sends miners down into the mines basically to work them to death and then raising them back up and using their corpses to keep working you know even after they die and then using those corpses to undercut the actual living workers that have to work next to them yeah you know trying to push that idea as far as we could so when he said, you know, hey, man, we're you know, using these ideas, we've been looking at it, you know, do you want to do this project with me? And I went, uh, hell yeah, absolutely. So it was exciting to kind of get to work on this project together. Morkborg, what we talked about, super fun world to play around in, you know, kind of the epitome of the 80s satanic metal cover that your mom was afraid of, you know, <laughs> you know kind of world. So like, who doesn't want to play in that? And, and it does like, it lets you play with ideas that are darker. Yeah. You yeah. know, it was interesting to, you know, say, hey, there's a literal fantasy apocalypse going on in this world. But in the middle of that apocalypse, you know, how are you as a player going to handle all of the like other shit that's going on, you know, yeah. around you and uh, the how people are being exploited and what's going on. So I love role playing games to be able to kind of play with those ideas and have a good time with your friends, but also kind of make people have a little social conversation and, and think about things. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I really like that kind of exploration of workers rights as well through role-playing games because i think it's kind of role-playing games have classically been sort of driven by this kind of neoliberal narrative if you like right which is very much about colonialism and about going to a place and smashing it up and stealing its riches it's kind of really nice to see very progressive left-wing ideas come through in role-playing games um the one that really jumps to mind is the price of coal which is very explicitly about workers rights yes but the way that old gods of appalachia was really successful as well and kind of mixed that horror with worker exploitation is very on the nose if you like it's nice that people are pushing that narrative a little bit yeah absolutely the price of coal we i just discovered that game a few weeks ago um, while talking to logar on the wobblies and wizards podcast and yeah. you know we were talking about the battle of blair mountain which is you know kind of what the price of coal is based around and those ideas and you know we're, we're we live in the u.s we're not as far separated from those pieces of history as we would like to be but at the same time the public consciousness of that part of history is like very low and being erased you know yeah it's low intentionally because yeah well <laughs> for probably self-explanatory reasons right yeah <laughs> well we were talking on cool crowdfunding uh how basically um like Amazon could turn around tomorrow and start buying up a bunch of real estate and create company towns quite easily. Yeah, and Amazonville. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's very close to being there, right? I yeah, mean, very close. <laughs> wouldn't take very much for them to say that you had to spend all of your money on Amazon groceries and stuff, would it? Like, would well, be... and and so that's like kind of another part of our game is is you can go to the company store, but everything's real expensive if you try to buy it with silver, which is the main mm. currency of uh, more. Buy it with scrim. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you can sell your soul quite literally to the company store in our in our adventure and uh, have quite a bit of money, but also quite a bit of consequences as a result. It's really interesting because like sometimes these industrial towns are sort of well, definitely in the UK. Like I could live quite near the town of Saltaire, which is sort of held up as a kind of amazing utopian mill town. I'm like, I bet it was not utopian because right. I know what happens in these sort of places. Right. It's right. just about 
holding people in one place for as long as you possibly can because you want to exploit their labor, regardless of your intentions. You know? And then hoping they have a bunch of kids that also... That you uh, can exploit their labor yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not a nice vision overall, I would say. And they view it as like family loyalty, which is wild. <laughs> so is this a, an explicit adventure or is this a sort of locale that you can explore? Yeah, <laughs> it started off as, a, as an adventure, um, but we... Mm. We both enjoyed the process of making um, places that you could explore. And realistically, it's a locale. I mean, it is the the town of Berlay is probably 70% of, of the book that you can explore in any amount and any order. You don't need to go to a certain place first. And yeah. um, my first playtest group went directly to the mines to confront the company man after a short shopping spree. <laughs> and then, I mean, I've had my latest playtest group explored every location they happened to to kill all the um company people but i was surprised that they (laughs) (laughs) that they just went that route taking the long way around you know the the murderous way around yeah absolutely well that's the the pork way (laughs) which i was surprised because my other playtests weren't very murderous i mean even one that was trying to like set up the church in town as the ones that were like sabotaging the mine, et cetera, by uh, planting their own propaganda. And they went kind of the long way around. They didn't kill a lot of people, which I was happy about. And then I got to this one playtest group and they killed like everyone just Mm. was a bloodbath. It was wild. (laughs) But it's, I mean, that's kind of one of the exciting things about role-playing games, right? Is you can set a scenario for people. And like we said, there's seven explorable locations and NPCs and factions at work plus yeah. the mine has multiple levels and creatures and all that. But they could come in and make peace with people. They can lead a, a union rebellion you know, against the company. They can go and try to grab the cool magical items. Uh, it's a whole world out there they can kind of fool around with yeah. and everybody approaches it differently. That's what I really love about locales is that every group that approaches them is going to do something different with it. And you know, if you attach just even a little bit of narrative-driven adventure to that, then you're probably going <laughs> to have a whole lot of fun that just just comes out of that naturally. So yeah, it sounds really fun. I guess it's written for Merkborg, but probably is vaguely compatible with a lot of other OSR and other stuff as well. Easily. Our future projects, we've realized that we should probably just write conversions for them ahead of time. <laughs> and we may still do that for, for this, depending on some stretch I really think there's something to be said for writing an adventure for a specific game because that game is designed to match the theme of your adventure in that case and cross compatibility I sort of feel a bit ambivalent about but you know I think it is also a good thing because it allows people to explore different things that different games are about for example we were talking about I was talking to somebody about um, something that was written for Ken and Into the Odd and a few other OSR games like that. And they have a very different feel to Merkborg. And like trying this sort of thing in Troika, for example, would probably feel very different to how it would feel in, I don't know, the Black Hack, for example, which is the one that I'm maybe yeah. most familiar with. So Yeah, absolutely. And, and my only reasoning for, I think, wanting to make a conversion for this is so that this idea could get out i'm not really concerned oh like, yeah absolutely. the theme the theme <laughs> is sort of baked into the story luckily um and it yeah, since it is yeah. a locale but no i agree with you wholeheartedly that normally if you're writing it for a particular system there's a reason for that for sure yeah absolutely <laughs> and morkborg definitely is like similar enough to our <laughs> the real world <laughs> like it feels like the end of the world you know what i mean uh not to get too too depressing but <laughs> and then you're going to work every day and just sort of feeling that kind of 
environment. So that's that's I think why I chose Morkboard mm. initially. But. Yeah. No, I think it sounds like a really good environment to try out. Actually, it sounds maybe perfect. <laughs> so, do you want to tell us about your Kickstarter campaign? You know, uh, what we can expect from it, or what we are, <laughs> what you're experiencing, because it's going to be nearly over. <laughs> yeah, um, it's kind of wild. Huh? Let me see where we're, I. So for the first couple of weeks i was checking every day <laughs> uh, every yeah. couple of every hours. hour yeah yeah <laughs> yeah uh, and now this weekend i realized i've only checked once we're still on a incline which i'm surprised about we've had very good luck with not going too stagnant we definitely hit like a lull obviously after the first day yeah but we funded in four hours which i was super happy about oh that's really good yeah part of that is since it's our first one we were really timid on on what we thought we could produce mm. and so we were like there's a physical and a digital and the stretch goals are only to increase the quality of the book and there wasn't anything crazy more art you know no add-ons or converting it to a hardback book like i tried to uh trick chris into doing about three or four times <laughs> every day i'd come to him i'd be like look man we're killing it we could we could easily go hard back and then he's like no <laughs> no we can't <laughs> look at those numbers <laughs> what do you what do you want now you're on five thousand dollars five and a half thousand on sunday 21st yeah but about about half of that's going to shipping <laughs> Like, ah, um, yeah. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then and then another like third of that is going towards art. It looks great. Like it looks like, oh yeah, we got we only needed a thousand dollars, but <laughs> I really understand that, yeah. And yeah. you know, are you doing the layout for this? Because you you've got uh, kind I of am doing uh, the layout, yeah. Mokeborg ish layout there. Yeah. And it's yeah, at least that's true and you're not paying someone to do Mokeborg layout. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's pricey. We kinda went into the project going, We don't need to make a whole lot of money on this first project. We just mm. wanna make like the coolest book that we can make. Yeah. And get it out to people, you know. Uh, what so a we, rad we vision, put, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and and we have the luxury of, of both kind of being in a place where we can do that, you know, to to put time in and and not have to rely on this financially right now. Mm. We aren't yeah. super well yeah, yeah, off, yeah. you know, or anything. We joked around the other day, Wes and I, because um, you know we're working with uh, Casa Paula Casa is doing the art for it. And they're going to make more money than either one of us are going to make on this project. <laughs> yeah. By a large margin. <laughs> yeah. And that's but, honestly, that's how I want it to be initially yeah. anyways. No, absolutely. I think that's really interesting because uh, it's the same sort of experiences I had. I just wanted to make something that was as good as I could make it and not worry about whether it was marketable. I mean, yours is very marketable. You know, <laughs> There's going to be a lot of people who are like massively into that. But sometimes things are a hard sell. And I think if you compromise on your vision then that's kind of i don't like that so much and you have definitely not compromised <laughs> which is super cool yeah, yeah that's one thing that um i think chris and i are 100 percent. we've never had a discussion of what's palatable because i think that's incredibly important to both of us because uh, otherwise why the hell are you making an indie rpg <laughs> i mean i guess to just like have fun but i, I sure so you've got a few more stretch goals to blast through. Or are you are you done with that now? At five. We're 000? talking right now yeah. <laughs> because we had a modest goal, a thousand dollars. A thousand dollars was kind of like we can make the book. We're not going to lose money. You know, everything pays for itself. And then we did a set of like five stretch goals. And then by like the second day, all the stretch goals were crossed, and we were like, okay, cool. Wasn't <laughs> expecting that. 
This is great. <laughs> yeah, what do we do now? So we did some expanded stretch goals, and then we like crossed those, and we did another stretch goal, and we crossed off that one a couple days ago. So well, that's a nice we've been in discussion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is. It's it's a fantastic problem to have. So you know, for us though, it's been about how can we improve the product for everybody. Mm. Really get them, you know, the the best book they can get. Um, add a couple maps. Add more art to it, like Wes said. Now yeah, we're bringing right. someone else on to hand draw all the maps, you know, to with the slash stretch goals. So we don't yeah. want to do anything that's gonna delay delivery or anything like that. So yeah. we're we're in discussion now. That's why any sort of add-ons is is hard water to tread, especially physical add-ons. Mm, yeah, they're tough. Yeah, because <laughs> as you, were, I mean, as you were saying, like the the postage is an absolute killer. I mean. <laughs> It's kind of boring to go into, but like shipping is so expensive nowadays, right? Especially in the States. I think it's it's kind of got almost un- untenable for people to send stuff. Yeah, a peek behind the curtain. Cost in the just the in the United States of just our book, probably gonna run us five bucks a piece. And that's probably more than the book is gonna cost um, yeah, to print. Yeah. Which is That's wild. wild to me. Really wild. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, I mean, shipping outside of the States is just not possible for us. It's 25 yeah. bucks pretty much yeah. around yeah. the world. Luckily enough, people were interested in print on demand that we added it as an option sort of halfway through. Which is something I think we're seeing less and less. And mm-hmm. it's kind of something that we need more and more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, I appreciate seeing that option nowadays. Yeah, because... Yeah. Um, I feel like there are sort of some auteur designers out there who are like, no, I will not have it sullied by being print on demand. <laughs> and then like, well, why? It's not cool. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of how I came to the decision is like, it's still a digital print. There's no way that the quality is going to be that much different. Yeah. I always bring this up and I really hate to sound as pretentious as it, as it sounds, but I'm an amateur bookbinder right. uh, as one of my hobbies. Yeah. Oh, cool. (laughs) So literally any, I wanted to keep it staple bound, but we like blew past the page count actually before we knew it. And then perfect bound just like makes my skin crawl. But I understand that that's the only way that we're ever going to get this out. So (laughs) I just have to have to deal with it. And oh, we're going on the perfect bound beef. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Bringing it. Watch the hot takes are coming out. Okay. It's just tell tell me what your problem with perfect bound is. (laughs) Well, so the main problem is, is that they're single pages. They're not folded in Mm -hmm. the fold. So you're losing strength. There. Yep. They score the back the the text block to make the, sure that the glue adheres. If the glue doesn't adhere properly, you not only are your pages weaker just by the nature of the scoring, but like you run into all sorts of issues. Humidity can really affect the glue on the. It's gotten a lot better in the past probably twenty years. I mean, I sort of think of like the books I have from the nineties and the eighties, yeah. which are perfect bound. Like I'm looking at my shelf and I can see the Star Wars role playing game, the original D six one, and the pages are really falling out. You know? Yeah, they just completely so, fall right. apart. <laughs> yeah, they're so bad. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and then and a couple of more it. recent POD ones, and like um, this is pretty good quality. I don't feel like the pages are going to disintegrate. Yeah, no, I, I but, agree. But that's really interesting. What makes that difference from? Uh, I'm sorry, I'm just turning this into a no, you're good into a bookbinding <laughs> podcast now. But what makes that different from? From how I don't know, like mass market paperbacks. Are, it's not. It's the same. Uh, it's the same. Also, okay. Those are also awful. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, the problem is, is the machine that can sew books together is yeah. called a Smythe sewing okay. machine. I mean, it's almost 200 years old at this point. Yeah. Yes, there are modern updates to it. No one has come up with a better way to do it. That's really impressive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, the guy was a genius, and the machine itself looks wild. You still have to have some form of human intervention with a mm. Smythe sewing machine, yeah. Um, especially if something gets wrong, it's piercing the book with you know a dozen needles or so, and actually sewing it. So there's tons of delicate parts that can just explode. <laughs> you know, just hit a wrong part. You can't better that. No. So therefore, the the next best option is perfect binding because that can be a fully automated process. Yeah. Right. But I guess a role-playing game book is not going to be looked through as much as a mass market paperback. Right. So, <laughs> therefore, you've just got bad technology for what you need it for. Okay. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, there's just, there's not a better option. <laughs> so actually, staple-bound zine is uh, the ideal format then, I right. guess. Because it <laughs> lays Honestly, yes. Or ring binder, maybe. <laughs> yeah. And then if you go to like something that's like spiral-bound or, or comb-bound, yeah. People don't like the look of that. They think it looks like cheap and homemade. I would say some people. I love spiral bound hardback. Oh yeah, stuff. it's so especially for a, a book that you have to go through a hundred times. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I really want that. <laughs> and it lays so flat, but it doesn't mm. fit on a shelf. Nice. the The coil gets caught on it. Yeah, and there's no spine. People yeah, like okay. It. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Booksellers <laughs> probably find them a nightmare. But booksellers yeah. don't like zines as well. Right. <laughs> like, I hear this a lot. Like, how do we display zines? Well, okay, I kind of appreciate that. A Maybe stack. like a magazine stand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The ideal format is a bargain bin, but you know. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, yeah, I, I very much appreciate that uh, insight. Actually, that's really interesting. Now I understand a little bit why zines are maybe better than. <laughs> well, and zines are by and large considerably cheaper to produce than perfect binding which i don't understand as well but my guess is just the number of steps it takes where like a mm. zine you just you print it all flat in order you don't have to do anything yeah you put it over on the stapler and it staples it and then you trim it and you're done yeah i went to i went to watch my zines being produced actually for my local printers and when they were trimming it at the end i was like this is actually really exciting mm-hmm. <laughs> i encourage everybody to do that did they have a big electrical guillotine yeah they had a, le- a big electric yeah. press to, to trim the book i was like wow this is so cool i'm very excited by this yeah. and incredibly dangerous <laughs> lop off a hand i mean it was it was exciting for the first five minutes and i was like and i have another 25 minutes to wait don't i <laughs> watching this person trim books okay this is less than exciting but yeah oh wow I've gone really over time, but it's just because I got excited about book finding. So, <laughs> so <clears throat> anyway, Beyond anyway. Deep, yes, a horror adventure by Spooky Bell Games. So that's running until, you just told me this, uh, Wednesday, August 31st. Um, so you've got not very long to back it by the time this comes out. So you should go away and do so ASAP because it sounds really cool. And you can play it with probably nearly every role-playing game out there. <laughs> so thanks for telling us all about that. So Chris and Wes, would you like to tell us where we can find you on the internet? Everywhere. <laughs> um, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram. It's all Spooky Bell Games. It's easy to find us. <laughs> you picked a good one. <laughs> Brilliant. And then we can find your project on Kickstarter. Just search for it. It came up when I searched Beyond Deep. And I'll put a link in the That's show really description. That's really good. Because <laughs> Kickstarter is not great with their search engine. It's so. not. <laughs> it came up as the suggested when I searched. So it was good. It was good. So fantastic. Well, thank you very much for coming on Yes Indeed Pod and for telling us about bookbinding. That was really cool. Um, <laughs> and all that remains for me to say is fantastically good luck with Kickstarter for Beyond Deep. Thank you so thank much. You. But you don't really need it because you've already funded. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
Thanks for listening, and thanks again to Chris and Wes for the interview. As always, you can find all of the links in the episode description. Next month is International Podcast Month, and we're starting with an interview with Eco of the Lost Bay Podcast, a podcast focusing on interviews with creators of indie TTRPG zines of all stripes. Our chat went all over the place and was really fascinating, so I'm stoked to be able to share it with you at last. Tune in in two weeks to find out more. This week's episode has been kindly sponsored by Will Lentz of Gamonomicon. Goblin Market is a new semi-cooperative role-playing experience inspired by the poem of the same name by Christina Rossetti. In it, players will become a goblin, a peddler of temptation to unwary Victorian-era mortals. The goblins are in service to the Night Queen and must accomplish their task before the Tootlepip strikes 13. The game features an all-new resolution system called All 4-2, based on goblin counting skills ending at 2, which can be implemented with dice or cards. It also includes a scene builder system to help populate your Victorian city with quarry, troubles and more. This means easy-to-use dynamic mechanics resulting in streamlined storyline choices. Perfect to play in one evening while still delivering a satisfying role-playing experience. Goblin Market is on Kickstarter right now. This week, I'd like to thank some of my incredible Patreon supporters. Audrey Shankle, Patrick Buchner, Thomas Elliott, Carl Rigney, Dono McCarthy, Craig Duffy, and Dale Blackburn. Thank you all so, so much. We couldn't do what we do without you. And you, yes you, can get a regular shout out and joyful thanks too if you go to patreon.com slash yesindeedpod and sign up today. You'll get access to our Discord server where we can hang out and chat and even join monthly editing streams and the Yes Indeed Pod book club. Most of the money will go directly to creators rather than to me, so you'll be investing directly in the indie scene, helping to make it a healthy and inclusive place for years to come. And if you can't commit regularly, you can always help out by rating and reviewing the show wherever you find your podcasts, or by donating through the Ko-Fi page at ko-fi.com slash yesindeedpod. Of course, you can always reach out to me through Twitter at yesindeedpod, that's Y-E-S-I-N-D-I-E-D-P-O-D. I'd love dearly to hear from you. Lastly, music credits. All music is taken from Be Quiet by Yatsar from the Free Music Archive, released under Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 International License. Thanks, Yatsar, and until next time, remember, does Indy need you? Yes, indeed.